I started last Sunday night a series, really just be honest with you, let of God. I don't approach preaching mechanically. I don't approach it with a big schedule, with this one I'm going to do a year out, all this other stuff. I take it week by week. I mean, I prepare sometimes two and three weeks in advance, but only as God, I believe, has very specific leading. I do feel responsible to preach the whole counsel of God. I have a great computer program. It works off of Apple's numbers program that uh, Amy Richards developed for me and actually does it, helps me, she does a data input. And I can tell what I've preached the last 25, 30 years, how many times, where I preached it, et cetera, et cetera, by topic. And it helps me to keep a balance on where I'm at. If you hear me repeat myself, I know I'm doing it and I believe we need to do it. This morning, the topic of apologetics, defense of scriptures, uh, I, I did that 15 years ago, and I need to do it again, and I'm doing it again. Now, no two sermons, of course, exactly alike, but they are similar in effort. And so I have, uh, I think, three more parts to that morning message I did this morning on apologetics, um, and I'm going to continue on there. Why? What's fired me up is reading that book, uh, Seeking Allah, Finding Jesus, because it was apologetics that really convinced uh, Nabil Kurishi, I believe his name is, to be saved. He, 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 they are taught, Muslims are taught from day one that the Bible is not reliable. It's been corrupted, attitude taken away from it. You've got to jump that. I mean, God has ways of jumping it, but you've got to jump it. They also believe the Quran is perfect. It is not. There's been all kinds of different versions of the Quran. They were destroyed early on. The Muhammad, nothing was written in his day. Nothing was written, as far as they know, until 100 years after him. So it was verbally transmitted until about 100 years afterwards. And 200 years, really reliably, they had the Quran put together after his death. So there's area and a lot of room for corruption, a lot of room for additions and divisions. And they have their troubles for sure. And eventually, Nabil realized that came to Jesus, and I think he was, he was attracted by the same thing you're talking about, love. What's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and soul. What's the second greatest? Love thy neighbors thyself. He said, all the law and the prophets rest on love. The fulfilling of the law is love, and we can't love without God. Oh, we have our emotional affections and all this, but we need God to understand what it really is because God is love, and if you love like God, you have to have him help you. The gospel will do that. It'll break through that. He, he found in Christ what he never found as a devout Muslim. He never found it. And I'm, I'm excited that many others will be saved also and by your lives poured out as a, as a drink offering to God. I want to talk to you, in this, part, this is part two of what reading your Bible through in a year will do for you. We're coming to the end of this year, uh, one more month. We have our board out there. Most of you have marked up your board. Many of you this year have finished the Bible already. I am excited to get a count at the end of the year of how many at Gospel have actually read through their Bible this year. Tremendous. 
exciting. I pray for those names. As you put your name up there, I make a covenant with you. That if you put your name up there, I'll pray every week for you. And I don't just necessarily run through those names. God will stop me on once in a while, stop me on your name. And you'll have me uh, do a little work on that. And so, some of you must need more work than others. But anyway, uh, that's what I promise I'll do that for you, and I'll pray for you as you read that. But what excites me is where you're going to find God, God's word to use the Bible. As I mentioned about this morning, let's take your Bibles to 1 Psalm 119, 9 through 11, which is our text verse. And I'll do a quick review here and then go on to the next. There's 14 reasons, for at least 14 reasons why uh, reading your Bible through once a year will help you. It will help you. Now, folks, don't do it for me. Don't do it for Gospel Baptists. Don't do it for anything. Do it for you. Do it for you. It's the best thing you can do for yourself besides pray. Uh, you should pray. You should read the Word of God. And, boy, I wish I had this kind of encouragement. I don't know, man. I mean, if I'd had this kind of encouragement, I may have started reading it through earlier than I did. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. You have to know them to pray that. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. Last week I brought up five reasons, five things that the Bible, reading through the Bible will do for you. Number one, I said it will cleanse your way. Number two, I said it will keep you closer to what is right. And number three, it will keep you from a lot of trouble. The Word of God will guide you around some pitfalls, traps, some snares that the devil has set for you. Uh, fourthly, it will keep you from forgetting God. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. I believe you're saying that today, so I heard it somewhere. And, uh, man, I mean, we tend to forget God. We tend to go all day long, not think about Him, doing our own thing. The Bible will help you there. It will, th fifthly, it will keep you alive. Literally, God will keep you alive. He will, um, in, in the psalm, it says, uh, he, um, it says a lot of good things. Bless the Lord, O my soul, all those who me bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, forget not all his benefits, who forgiveth all thine iniquity, who healeth all the diseases, redeemeth thy life from destruction. That's what I wanted to get to. Who redeemeth thy life from destruction. God himself redeems your life from destruction. He'll, he will help you stay alive. How many? I'm not going to ask you for your hands, but uh, I've had some near-death experiences. You don't have to live too long without having some near-death experiences. Some of those near-death experiences, God shows his hand that he actually saved you. And, and it's, it cannot be explained any other way. Uh, in my diving experience, we had some accidents that very well could have been fatal, but God just interceded. And I always said, when those were over, evidently God's got something else for me to do. And, he's, and yes, he did. Then I rode motorcycle. Gave my, I gave my guardian angel some more challenge. Getting out there on the road on a motorcycle, putting some 50,000 miles on a motorcycle, actually about 100,000. But it will give you answers. The sixth, number six, and this is what we start tonight. It will give you answers for this life. Psalm 119.42 says, So shall I have wherewith to answer him that reproacheth me, for I trust in thy word. Um, we have, uh, without God and without the word of God, you don't have a whole lot of answers 
uh, about this life. You've got a whole lot more questions then you have answers. But if you'll read the Word of God, just simply read the Bible repetitively year after year after year. Uh, think how many years. Pretty soon you, you've been saved 40 years. If you've read the Bible through once a year, how many? that's 40 times. You've read the Bible 40 times. It'll make a difference. It's got to. Uh, here's some of the things I put down as questions that it'll help answer. Why am I here? I've had a lot of people ask me that. Why are you here? Why am I here? What is my purpose in life? Who made me? What will happen after death? I mean, everybody's had to think that. How can I be justified with God? I think everybody thinks about that. How can I know uh, what to do? What, what am I supposed to do in this life? Doesn't Everybody has those kinds of questions. Uh, this is one, who should I marry? God will even help you there. Amen. God will help you. I'll tell you what, he'll tell you who not to marry. Don't marry anybody with the name of Jezebel or Delilah. Well, maybe you guys say, well, my wife's Delilah. She's wonderful. That's great. Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. The Bible will tell you who not to marry. Uh, this uh, young man, if some beauty comes up to you that literally you can't even believe God made something that beautiful and she, she's not a Christian, turn and run, brother. The Bible's given you escape for temptation. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, no temptation taking you such as common to man, but God is faithful and with temptation make also a way of escape. You know what that is? Your two feet. Run! <laughs> Don't sit there and chit-chat. Run! You'll see them wet lips covered with honey. Down you go. You don't believe this, but it's true. You're reading the Bible through every year. It'll, it'll tell you that it's good to eat sweets and, and, and eat fat. Amen. Nehemiah 8.10. Drink the sweet and eat the fat. For the days of the Lord. And I know, Doc, this is no good, but this will keep you busy. Uh, the Bible says it. I'm standing on the Bible. I, now, I didn't say to do it every day like some of you. But once in a while, there's a celebration time. It's okay to eat the fat and drink the sweet. Nehemiah 8.10. They were having a big old celebration. He said, this ain't time for vegetarianism. It's what the Bible does. What's the Bible do? It'll help you know what displeases God. In other words, the don'ts. Don't do this and don't do that. It'll help you. It'll also help you, what, help you know what pleases God. Do this, don't do this. Or, I mean, I went back to the don't. <laughs> do this and do this. How, it'll also how to help you. It'll, oh, it'll help you to know how to treat people. Man, there's a lot of commandments in the Bible about how to treat each other. Love one another, you know. I'll be kind one to another. Tender-hearted. Uh, you could go somewhere. But, uh, uh, <laughs> I mean, that's sweet. That's why when I, when I die and you folks get up here to do my uh, epitaph or whatever you're going to say, you're going to say one thing about me. Brother Lytell, he was the sweetest man I ever knew. No, I don't think that's going to happen. But anyway, he wanted to be. He wanted to be sweet. 
He may not have made it, but he wanted to be sweet. Uh, how do you treat people? It'll help you. It'll help you define what is a local church. People say, what's a local church? What's this thing about? What is all this? Well, the Bible will tell you. Uh, you know, Timothy and two books of Timothy and Titus and other places in the book of Acts. You're going to see how this thing was formed, uh, the leadership and how, how the qualifications of those leaders. It's all in the book. It's there. Um, reading God's Word will give you answers to hundreds and hundreds, yeah, maybe over a thousand questions that come up in everybody's mind commonly. Just reading the Word of God through. I have in the back, I've, I've done a number of Bibles and wore them out. In the back, when I start reading, I put uh, things to look for. I put like the deity of Christ. And so every time I find a deity of Christ, first I go to the back, write it in. I read books that way. Every time I take a book, and if I find something, I go, I put in the back, I put sermon idea, page 25. By the way, if you look at my books after I'm gone, it wouldn't be a bad idea. But uh, I got a lot of sermon ideas I'm never going to live to preach that are there that would help God's people, because in all my books, I have a sermon, sermon, sermon ideas all the way down through. Then I also have doctrinal statements, quotes. Oh my, some good quotes. And so you do the same thing with the Bible. You can put why, listing after listing after listing, filling up all those three or four blank pages at the end of the Bible. So it's not just reading your Bible. It's reading your Bible with a purpose. It's reading your Bible looking for stuff. Now, this year, look for five things. Look for five things when you read your Bible through this year. Don't try to look for 25 things. Maybe some of you are good enough to do that. But how about just five things? Look for five major doctrines. Any verse you find that deals with the resurrection any verse you find that deals with the second coming of Jesus, any verse you find that deals with, with forgiveness of sin, you can just name five that you want to know about. At the end of the year, preacher, you have five great sermons ready to go. All the verses, and you've searched them out. You didn't read one commentary. You didn't have any help from any. Not that that's bad, but it, it, there's some certain satisfaction that when you read the Bible and you go through all of the verses, you've done it from Genesis all the way to Revelation, and you put them things down. When you preach that, you're preaching that with a, with a special kind of authority that I've read the whole book, I've looked for these, I found these, and then these are the messages. This message is or usually a series of messages based on these verses that I found in the Bible. So, number seven, it will give, reading the Bible through will give you a sense of gratitude. And folks, we need it. Psalm 119.65, thou hast dwelt well with thy servant, O Lord, according to thy word. Psalm 119.171, my lips shall utter praise when thou hast taught me thy statutes. Gratitude, gratitude is a learned attitude. We normally and naturally are not grateful people. We're typically normally and naturally complainers if left to ourselves, because we're selfish. And by the way, we're hostile to correction. Boy, have I learned that as a pastor. I may not have learned it enough. But brother, you go to somebody and try to correct something, and you are coming up against a hostile environment. Most, I've met a few people that were deeply spiritual folks, that when I went to them to correct something that I felt led to help them, they responded in a, thank you, pastor. Man, I need that. Wow, really? Those spiritual people. 
I've had people, when I first started preaching, come up and correct this about my preaching, or come up and correct this about my preaching, or come up and correct that about my preaching. In fact, I had lots of corrections the first few years I preached. I did this wrong, or I did that wrong, and it was all true. I didn't like it, but it was all true. How do I know? I'd go to my wife and say, is that true? She'd look over. Yeah. Oh, tell me it ain't so. We resent being told what to do. It's like telling the baby to stay away from the cookies. I mean, this old chubby old little baby will be running around the house, don't need no cookies. And you've baked some cookies, the smell of them cookies went throughout the house. That old kid will try to ferret them cookies down. You say, now leave them cookies alone. What you're seeing is the base nature we still have. Don't do something almost attracts them to it, doesn't it? The Word of God will help you with that. It'll help you overcome some of the lusts. It'll, it'll strip bare some of our base nature. That needs to be corrected if we're going to be pleasing to God. It'll give us a sense of gratitude. Uh, gratitude's vital in the success for life. The Bible will teach it to you. It will show you you need it. It will demonstrate to you the necessity of it. It will give examples of it, uh, of those who didn't have it and those who had it. It will show their ends, those who had it and those who didn't have it. It'll tell you how to resist pride. It'll tell you how God hates pride and resists those with pride, but he gives grace if you're humble, contrite and broken, as I said this morning, I believe. Number eight, if you just read the Bible through in a year, it will cause people around you to like you more. I feel like Dale Carnegie up here. How to win people, influence your friends or enemies. But the Bible will, let me tell you this. When you read the Bible, it'll season you. It, just like seasoning, I take ribeye, and I go down and buy ribeye, and I take them out of their package, and I, put a zip, I get a Ziploc, a gallon Ziploc, because it's big old ribeye. I put that ribeye in there, and I put some Everglades seasoning on both sides of it, and I shut that thing up and seal it, and I put it in the refrigerator for four or five days, maybe more, and let that seasoning work on that old ribeye. And I get ready, and I take that thing out, get the grill nice and hot, slap that baby on the grill, brown both sides, cook it just to medium, and then bring that thing in. And brother, the, the seasoning of the, of the Everglades has done its work. And it's just delicious. Are you hungry? That's what the Word of God will do to you. It'll make you more likable. Now, I don't mind ribeye without seasoning. I'll eat it. If I'm over to your house and you don't have seasoning, I have the attitude of gratitude. I'll eat it. But seasoned meat, in my opinion, is better than non-seasoned meat. And if you aged beef as opposed to non-aged beef, that kind of thing, and if you don't read the Word of God, you may survive this life, but you're not going to survive as sweet as you could, as desirable, as likable, as the Word of God will, will literally permeate you. It will cause you to, to, to smell Bible. 
It'll help you. It will cause those around. Why? Because we're not naturally likable. Uh-oh, uh-oh, we're not naturally likable. Now, I know they're schmoozers. Those are people who know what to say and compliment everybody all the time just to get them in favor. That's, the Bible's against that, by the way. False complimenting is wrong to get something. This is just flat wrong, and it's condemned in Scripture. Well, that'll help you right there. You're not supposed to schmooze people. You all know schmooze. That's when you look at a girl, and she's got the worst-looking hair you've ever seen. You say, that is some beautiful hair, girl. Because you're just trying to, you're just trying, you're lying. If I compliment you, it's the truth. I'm not going to lie. I might not tell the whole truth. I mean, you don't have to criticize people when you see something. Like, if I see you with a little egg on your chin, brother, I'm going to tell you. I'm going to say, brother, before you get up in front of all those folks, could you wipe that in? Now, Moon, he ain't going to tell you, but I'll tell you, brother. I'll tell you. We all got a mean streak that's caused by sin. And without God, we stink. We stink. Why do you think there's wars and rumors of wars? Why do you think there's tribal wars, family wars? Why do you think family reunions end up being World War III most of the time? You get certain families together. The Lightsail family used to have over 100 of us get together, and there would always be some big row at the end of the day, brother. I thank God they quit having them things. As a kid, I'd witness that. Somebody, oh, somebody, you know, you get all your family, right? Good, bad, ugly. You get them all. They're all in there, and you got this one who's dating this girl and shouldn't be and doing that. And then one of the self-righteous, one of the overly righteous people will say, you know, that's wicked sin. Pretty soon it was gone, man. They were at, they were at each other. And as a kid observing that thing, I thought, well, that just, uh, I love these family reunions. But the truth is, as people, we, nation against nation, Tribe against tribe. There's just war is prevalent. Jesus said, you will always have wars. Why? Evil nature. As long as you've got the evil nature, you're going to have war. You can be sure of it. You can write it down. The Bible says so. The only salvation for you and I getting along is Jesus. It's the tenderness that the Holy Spirit will give you. It's the reasonableness, the sweet reasonableness the Holy Spirit will give you. It's, it's the humility that the Holy Spirit will give you. How are you going to get all that? You got to read the Bible. You got to read the Bible. It'll, it'll purge you. It'll wash you. Washing of regeneration by the Word of God. Uh, oh, I just go. Number eight, it will cause people around to like you. I mean, God's Word will cleanse your soul and your body. It will soften those hard edges. It will tame the wild lust. It will correct the rudeness and the meanness. It will make a gentleman or a, a lady out of, out of somebody who normally would not be. It will give you refinement, courtesy. You will begin to put others first. It will make you see yourself in a, in a humble way, uh, which, which, by the way, it will make you accept your own flaws. It'll teach you how to treat people. Make sure you do right by folks. You will hold no bitterness if you're going to follow the Bible. You will hold no grudges if you're going to follow the Bible. You will make no plans for anybody's hurt. 
how do you know you're in trouble is when you begin to think of different ways this person could die. You, you, you really know you're in trouble when you start thinking along those lines. He could die a slow, miserable death by fire ants. He could be jogging, pass out, and lay in a big fire ant mound. Oh, that would be good. Or, you know, that kind of, how do I know? Uh, well, I've probably thought along those lines some. I used to run uh, about three miles, uh, three times a week. Trust me, Doc, I thought about that. Passing out and falling in a fire ant mound. Well, pretty soon, people would walk by, there'd be an exceptionally large dirt mile there because them, them fire ants would be, let's cover them quick! You know, there are, I, I, went, I went and cut the head off of a 13-foot alligator. The head's about that big, and I had to get the skin off of that gator, so... Uh, he didn't like losing his head either. But anyway, no, he was dead. Uh, I cut his head off, and what I do, I brought him home. I put him in, I found my biggest fire ant mound I could find. I put him in the middle of that fire ant mound, and those fire ants said, we've been saved. They jumped on that thing. They buried that thing. They had a fire ant mound. It was almost two foot tall. They buried him. Why? They were trying to hide him from me. We got him. I thought, boy, it's going to be short-lived, you little fire ants. And they ate every stitch of meat off of that skeleton, cleaned it up. It looked beautiful. Finally, one day, I went over there and kicked around, grabbed that thing out of there, and put it in a big old vat of, of uh, bleach, and poisoned all the fire ants, killed them all. It was mean. It just seemed wrong. But there's no specific conviction against killing fire ants, so I did it. I never saw anywhere in the Bible I couldn't do it, so I did it. But if you're thinking about how people are going to die, uh, you probably got a little bitterness problem. And God will help you. You know, we're supposed to be, the Bible says we're supposed to be harmless and blameless in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. Shining as lights, that's what the Word of God will do for you. Remember, God's doing all this. How do I know that? The Bible says there'll be no flesh glory in his presence. So if you'll, if you'll give your heart to Christ and be saved, the Holy Spirit will come in, begin to make you an image of Christ. He's got to have some material. So the Word of God, as you go pour over year by year by year, little by little, and that's the way God likes to do stuff, by the way. God's not real big into, woo! He's more big into little by little. Little by little, little by little. I mean, you you got to give it to the fire ant, right? I mean, they don't just carry one grain of sand at a time. But look how they rebuild their mound in one night. And the Bible says, observe the ant, you sluggard. It'll help you if you're lazy to be a worker. Number nine, it will give you stability and a firm foundation. And if I may say, keep you sane. Psalm 119.89, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. It's firm. It is not a, it, it is, uh, it'll, it'll cause you to have right thinking. It'll give you horse sense, which is simply stable thinking. It's an, it's an absolute that you can rest upon. Let me say, there's not much, there are not many absolutes in this whole world. But it's an absolute that you can rest on. When everything around you goes crazy, you can rest on the Word of God. 
forever settled in heaven. Jesus said, heavens and earth pass away before one little dot of an I or cross of a T pass away from my word. Mm. 2 Timothy 2.19 says, nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure. I like that. I wouldn't know that had I not read the Bible. Sound foundation of God stands sure. Read the Bible. It'll help you. By the way, our politics, environment in this country, I've never seen division this deep. I believe the division that we have in this country is probably similar to the division there was in 1859. That'll tell you a little something. I believe our division is real close to what it was in 1859. I've been down to Fort Sumner where it all started. And I'm going to tell you, I don't see how you had a civil war over whether that fort was controlled by the Federalists or whether that fort was controlled by South Carolina. It was on South Carolina soil. All South Carolina did was take over what was theirs. And for five years plus, people killed each other that were brothers. It don't take much. If they were willing to do that over that, Man, today we got deep divisions. And from the talk of these people out there, they would like to see us dead rather than be under any kind of influence of the Word of God. But boy, we're seeing great, mighty strides are being done behind the scenes for churches. If you don't believe it, read the Christian Law Association letter out on that board out there. Brother David Gibbs is highly encouraged of what's been going on behind the scenes. Stuff you don't even read about, stuff you don't hear on Fox News, stuff you don't definitely hear on the major news media that are being done for you and for me in the, in the United States of America to protect us from them. I hope you pray for Roy Moore. I hope you do. 1 Corinthians 3.11 says, For other foundation can no man lay than is laid, which is Jesus Christ. You can't do another one. Take your Bibles, if you would, and I'll close with this. Luke chapter 6, verse 48-49. There can't be a better example than this. Luke chapter 6, verse 48-49. It's not any better than this. He, and in verse 40, 48 in Luke chapter 6, He is like a man which built a house and digged deep and laid the foundation on a rock. And when the flood arose and the stream beat vehemently upon that house, a hurricane came and could not shake it, and it was founded upon a rock. But he that heareth and doeth not is like a man that without a foundation built a house upon the earth against the stream, did beat vehemently, and immediately it fell, and the ruin of the house was great. You know, this is a house built upon the rock, a house built upon a sand, found in different gospels. If you read the Word of God, you're building your house little by little, Upon the rock. The rock which is not movable. A foundation that is secure. That will never, it's already settled in heaven. It's God's word. It cannot be broken. And brother, you can't build your house any better than building on a good solid rock foundation. Jesus Christ, the word of God. Why not read the Bible? And number 10, I said I was going to quit, but they were... Superfluous words of a preacher. Look over here. I got number 10. I'm going to do number 10. Number 10. It will give you guidance in hard situations. The Lord is a lamp. The word of God is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Order my steps in thy word and let not any iniquity have dominion over me. Boy, that sounds good to me, amen. 
It will help you. It will guide you in hard situations. Um, I got so many verses here, I'm not going to necessarily read them, but in Psalm 119, 133, Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, Psalm 73, 24 to 26, all of them, all of them. When I go on a trip, when I go on a trip, I pray for God's guidance. My wife and I, every morning, will get up on a trip, especially when you're making uh, maybe 50 decisions. Do I take this road? Do I take that road? Do I turn here? Do I park here? Do I stop here? Where do I eat? Da-da-da. Big decisions. I often go, I'll say, God, now, would you please guide every decision we make? Every decision we make, would you please guide it? When you're on a motorcycle and you're vulnerable to being hit from every kind of direction and everything, it kind of brings you home to that, that you need God to guide you to make every decision you're going, or you, you may end up without a leg or without an arm, because there's no good motorcycle accident. And so, you, 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 and when you dive, it's kind of that way, you're under the water 50, 60 feet. You know, the old saying is you can't breathe water. A lot of things can happen. 50% of all deaths in diving come from people passing out under the water. And so, you, you get where you say, God, you know, I need your guidance. You got to guide me. Do I, do I do this? Don't I do this? When do I do it? Where do I do it? Guide every decision. And you know what? Trust Him for it. Trust the Lord with all in heart. Lean not in your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, which is what you just did when you prayed. And what will He do? Direct your path. He'll guide you. He'll guide you. You don't have to worry about that. He said, just trust in me. Don't lean on, don't, don't, look, don't look around. Trust me. Acknowledge that I'm God and I am who I am. And just trust me. And then because of that, I'll guide. When you decide, I, I say this to you, when you decide, I'm going to read God's holy word at least, now this is minimum, every year. Do you think that pleases God? He got the Bible for us. He he caused the men to write it. They were burned at the stake for this thing. They were sawn asunder for this. They were stretched on racks till all their joints were out of The people have been so mistreated. Kids were killed before their eyes. Women were ravished for this book. When you have this book with you and you own one of these and year after year, day after day, month after month, week after week really goes by and you really don't make any effort to know what's in it, you got to know that hurts her feelings. It'd be like my wife writing me a sweet love note, a sweet love note, where she expresses her deepest, most inner feelings and how she's ravished with me and how I'm the best thing that's ever come into her life. I think I could write this for her. <laughs> and how that I've been faithful to her and how that I've treated her well except for a few exceptions, but how, <laughs> how, how she couldn't imagine living a life this long without me. It's just been so wonderful. She's not here. And her writing that and giving it to me, and I say, well, hey, thank you for that. Thank you for that. I'll put that in my Bible here. 
year goes by, she says, uh, I never heard anything about that letter. Did you ever get that? Oh, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to do, I'm going to read that. Oh, I think I'd be in trouble. I think she says, I think I'll take that thing back and add an addendum to that. I think I want to take and add a couple more negatives on the bottom of that whole thing because you didn't read my love letter. You think you're going to get away with any less from God? Do you really? Do you really naively believe that God would judge you less than your wife for not reading a love letter that she makes for you when this is God's love letter to you and me? This is His way of overcoming all the hosts of evil that's up against you and you're not able to survive without this, brother? This has got to be your number one read. This should be your number one read. It's my number one read. I, am, I have buried, I mean, honestly, I've tried to bury myself in this book. I want this thing to be in my mind. I want it to be in my blood vessel. I want it to be in my cells. I want it to be permeated with one of the very few things in this world that's eternal. You know, they said only, I've heard it said only two things are eternal in this room. The Word of God and your never-dying soul. That's it. Everything else we look at. Bible says it's going to, the elements shall burn with fervent heat. I already know that, the Bible. Elements will burn. Read the book this year. Let's get so many people sign up, we got to go to another, we got to get a, another board, or, or we got to double up, or we got to make some provision. Let's, let's do it. Let's just jump on that and say, Brother Bill, I've never done it. I'm afraid of, I'm afraid of failure. You know, fe- that kind of fear is not a God. That shows me that you got all kinds of pride. You're worried about what people think about you. How about be worried what God thinks? Don't be worried whether whether we what we think, because to be honest with you, we don't think much of you anyway. You got this inflated idea that people think you're so. They don't. As I said before, people get up and say, "I know that most of you think I'm perfect. None of us do." <laughs> we don't think people are perfect. We think people have troubles and struggles like we have. And we do. We all struggle. And we're co-teammates in this whole thing. I hope you read it. So the Word of God, it will give you answers for this life. It will give you a sense of gratitude. It will cause people to like you. It will give you stability and a foundation to build your life on. It will give you guidance in hard situations. Father, help us tonight. May, may the blessed Holy Spirit come through. May you shake some people up. May they not miss the good things that are prepared for them by you. May they dine. As the, I love that song. Come and dine, the Master calleth. Come and dine. Father, we just pray that this church would be a church known for just a few things. Number one, they care about lost souls. Number two, they read the, they read the Bible. Help us, Father. There could be some in this room without Jesus. Maybe you come in tonight hoping for something better in life. Well, you found it. Lord Jesus Christ will help you, forgive you, cleanse you, inhabit you, transform you. If you'll simply come to him in childlike faith, admitting you're a sinner unable to save yourself, believing that Jesus Christ is who the Bible said he is. He's the Christ, the son of the living God. God manifests in the flesh, who gave himself for you, died, and was resurrected the third day to prove that of all those people that say they're Messiah, he's the one 
that's been sealed. If you'll simply believe it, the Bible said, thou shalt be saved. You confess with your mouth, tell other folks you got saved. God will begin a new life in your heart. Oh, if you're here tonight, come. Let us talk more about this with you. You may be here as a Christian tonight and say, Brother Bill, I've had a, be honest with you, a poor attitude about reading the Bible or, or listening to the Bible, whichever way. But I've had a poor attitude about going through God's Word. I've really demeaned it, undervalued it by my actions, not my words. By the fact that I haven't been going through it, I've under, undervalued it and demeaned it. And I, I want to change that. You've got to start somewhere. Why don't you start this year? Start tonight. Make the covenant. Make the commitment. I'm not going to eat. I'm not going to sleep. I'm not going to live. If I don't read the Bible, I'm going to read it. Father, help them. Help them. I know you will. I know you want them to do it. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida, also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.